you know, I I spent a good long while thinking about how to begin this and I think I finally figured it out. Do any of you recall ever being told the difference between being a subject or an object in your own life? I for one remember being introduced to those concepts for the first time in an English lesson if I remember correctly. I don't recall the exact context in which the conversation began or even how it ended but I do remember those two words and what they meant in relation to who you become and the life you live. The point of divergence between being a subject versus being an object is action or the willingness to act. And accompanying the concept of action is the notion of choice. Do you choose to act and take charge or do you choose to remain a bystander and watch as things pass you by? Choice as a concept and the act of choosing itself are incredibly important, both in life and in this story, because you always have to make a choice. Even when you think you have none, you are still making decisions and by virtue of the choices that you make, you gain some degree of control, small or large, over the paths which are not only made available to you, but the paths which you ultimately walk down. The point of divergence between being a subject versus being an object is action or the willingness to act. And accompanying the concept of action is the notion of choice. Do you choose to act and take charge or do you choose to remain a bystander and watch as things pass you by? Choice as a concept and the act of choosing itself are both incredibly important in life and in this story because you always have to make a choice. Even when you think you have none, you are still making decisions and by virtue of the choices that you make, you gain some degree of control small or large, over the paths which are not only made available to you, but the paths which you ultimately walk down, as is proven time and again by the simple choices we make every single day. Like the choice between whether to go right or left at a crossroads, whether to grab a sandwich on our way to class, whether to skip class altogether and play hooky. Each choice molds your path and possesses the ability to lead you to entirely unexpected destinations altogether. So you see that at the center of it all, there isn't some higher entity weaving threads together. What lies at the center of those tightly woven webs is us, spinning the threads and working them into unique patterns. From the beginning, my relationship with House 37 was one based on a series of choices. Each move was met with a counter move and the story wove on. A light shining through the window of an empty house. Me choosing to run in to explore. A revelation of having a direct link to House 37. Me choosing to make use of that door. Watching my family and friends having their memories of me stripped and restored over and over again. Me? Choosing to use that knowledge to ease my own discomfort by continuing to enter the house as an escape. You see? 
at each stage, at each point of divergence, lay a decision I had made. That day, when I opened the door to exit room number 14, the door didn't lead me back into my room. Instead, I found myself standing in the hallways of house 37, which was rare but had happened on occasion. I mean, there had been a few instances where I had ended up passed out on the floor almost as soon as I crossed over and then had had to make my way back home using normal human pathways. So I didn't think much of it and simply walked back out the front door, snuck around the house and in no time really found myself walking up the steps to my own front door, taking my keys out from a little pouch I kept in my backpack only to find that my key didn't fit. Which didn't make any sense because we hadn't changed our lock in years and so there really was no reason for my key to jam in the lock but I tried again. And again, and for posterity's sake, a third time before finally giving up and knocking. After what seemed like an eternity, I finally heard the sound of familiar footsteps as my mum made her way to the door. And as it swung open, I immediately knew something was wrong, because the woman at the door was my mother, but... She didn't feel like my mother. She didn't give off the same feeling of warm exasperation as she would have done on any other day I had happened to make her walk all the way over to the door instead of using my own key. I don't remember what excuse I came up with to explain what I was doing there and how I left. I just remember wondering from house to house, ringing the doorbells, hoping for someone to call my name, to greet me with a smile and an enthusiastic hug and usher me inside. But at each doorway, I got the same, Hello? Can I help you? <laughs> Those five words greeted me at every door and... I finally had to face my reality. The person called Kay, who had lived in House 36 and been an inactive member of that suburban neighborhood her entire life, no longer existed. All memories of me, which used to be temporarily altered and removed, well, it seemed like the house had finally decided to make the change permanent effectively stripping me of any and all tethers I had possessed to the world outside House 37. I had, essentially, ceased to exist. I would say I had disappeared, but that would imply I had either turned invisible or had gone missing, both of which really didn't fit the situation. You know, there's one thing I really want to ask. If all memories of you are stripped from the minds of all those who have encountered you throughout the course of your life, from the minds of strangers and loved ones alike, do you really exist at all? Yes, I know, I am still me, but so much of ourselves is tied up in those around us. If no one remembers you, how... How can you claim to have existed? 
how can you prove it? Because yes, you are a physical being. You still occupy space and have an impact on the environment and can change the physical settings around you. But the sources of your identity are gone. In a single moment, in that single moment, I had been stripped of almost all my defining identities. My identity as a daughter, my identity as a friend, they, they were all gone. Because I had no family and none who could remember me anyway. I had nowhere to go, save but one place. House 37. It was so incredibly clever, I can't help but laugh even as I record this. Because the house didn't do anything grand, really. It didn't coerce me or tempt me in any obvious way. It just left me alone to choose. And I made all the choices which led me to where I am now. The sole known resident of House 37. You know, the house famous for being empty. Which it remains, of course, on paper. House 37 is still unsold and unoccupied. People from the realtor's office still drop by with potential buyers. Kids still try to sneak in. I left the back door locked the way it was. It felt odd and slightly unfair to fix it. So now I get front row seats to the show. Not to mention those little official visits and break-ins are the only times I get to see any other humans apart from myself up close anymore. But that really isn't all that there is to it. By choosing the house and by it uprooting all my worldly connections, all I had left was House 37. So a new relationship was born. I am still led through the hallways to different rooms, but I now act as more of a groundskeeper. The rooms are still treacherous, but they feel different. Not nearly as cruel, though that streak does resurface from time to time. The position does come with some benefits. Considering the fact that I entered the house with nothing more than a small backpack slung across my shoulder and given that all my official IDs were rendered utterly useless post-memory manipulation, the house now allows me to use the door to gain access to other places of both interest and necessity. Food stores and marts to stock up on the assortment of household goods one might need, clothing stores, libraries, you name it. Channel the correct intent and it shall be. It is also during these trips that I charge up on my now impressive collection of power banks and my phone, which is how I have been able to record these in the first place. In case you were wondering, my parents moved away shortly afterwards. I don't know where and quite frankly, I don't really want to know. I don't even think I have the right to know at this point. I made my choice that day. I might as well stick to it. And I guess somewhere deep down, I think, I think they deserved the opportunity to leave me behind.
even if they didn't really know that that was what they were doing. A new family moved in, though, in the house across the lane. They seemed nice enough. They could definitely serve as models for a stock photo of the quaint neighborhood family, that's for sure. They have a son, actually, I guess mm, around 17 or 18 years old. He seems to have taken up residence in my old bedroom, actually. I often see him peering out the window, staring at House 37 with an expression I am quite familiar with. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what he would do if he saw a light shining brightly across the lane. This week's episode was written, directed, produced, and voiced by Ananya Jaguri. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast so far, please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks for listening.